Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. Uh, We're starting this new series this January. Yes, four affirmations uh, that we want to lean into in January that are really hallmarks and foundations of Christian discipleship um, and spirituality ways for us to open our life, live differently so that God can move differently and work in our life. So there's scripture, silence, solitude, and simplicity. Scripture, silence, solitude, and simplicity. And these are things that have helped Christians throughout the millennia open our lives to the things of God and live a little bit more like Jesus is calling us to. So we're starting today with scripture. The Bible is powerful. You don't actually have to be a Christian to believe this. Uh, why did you know, communist China limit Bibles? Why do you have to smuggle Bibles into countries run by some of these dictators? It's because they know the Bible is powerful. They don't like the Bible or, or follow the Bible, but they, they, they know it's powerful. I think about, <coughs> sorry, a little closer to home for us. Uh, if you're familiar, if you've heard about the slave Bible, this was developed, uh, unfortunately, um, by Christian missionaries who wanted to go in in the 1800s to evangelize and educate enslaved persons in the Caribbean, and the plantation owners said, no way, nope, you are not coming anywhere near our slaves. So they made an unfortunate compromise that was uh, not right, but they said, okay, how about, how about, please, if we just bring a much more palatable version of scripture to you guys, would you let us in then? Um, and it's been, you know, maintained throughout you know, our country. So, obviously, the story of Exodus, gotta go. Uh, obviously, verses like Galatians, there's neither slave nor free, all are one in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it, so, 90% of the Old Testament is missing, and about 50% of the New Testament is missing. Uh, for reference, they are 1,000 almost 1,200 chapters in our standard Protestant Bible. This Bible contains 230. So a lot was cut out. And it's because the slave owners knew the Bible is powerful. These were not pious, godly men following the Bible. They just knew the effect that the word of God could have. We look at some of the great figures in history, and it said that Gandhi, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and Martin Luther King Jr. uh, prayed the Beatitudes daily. Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, Daily, for them, one Hindu, two Christians, the, the Bible was a source of strength and power for them. We also know that the most violent segregationists opposing Dr. King and the oppressive colonial governors surrounding Gandhi also read the Gospel of Matthew, some of them quite regularly. So what made one person read the Beatitudes and become Dr. King 
and other folks read the Beatitudes and went right back to working on their, their plantation. What makes the difference? How can we read Scripture to become a little bit more like Dr. King and a little less like those plantation owners? While we're at it, why do sometimes I read the Bible I'm like, that's it. I am rearranging my whole life. This is a new revelation. And then other times, I read and get about halfway through the passage, yawning before I quit early. How can we read the Bible to be transformed by the Bible? We know, we know that it, this is unique, that this is special. How can we let it have special effect? On us? How can we read the Bible to be transformed by the Bible? Well, the Bible is a very unique book. It's helpful. It tells us how to read it. So this morning, we're going to say, we're going to ask the Bible, okay, how should we read Scripture? So let's pray, um, submitting our hearts and our minds to the Word, um, and then we'll dig in. Jesus, we thank you for your gift of your word to us. And Lord God, this morning in the diversity of our places, uh, however we're coming to you with a hot chocolate in hand, or uh, maybe we've shoveled some this morning and are tired, or however we're coming to you this morning, I, I think that you're wanting to raise up through the power of your word people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Dr. King. People in this generation, in our context, in our culture, who are deeply changed by your word, to stand firm, to have great impact and great effect. It's not something we just go to college or get better jobs for. It's something that you want to form and grow in the depths of our soul. This morning, would you speak to us through your word? Would your word be precious to us? Valuable, would we treasure every part of it and submit every part of our thinking and our actions to what you have to say to us? So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be in, uh, this is a very famous, maybe familiar passage speaking about scripture. Uh, the apostle Paul wrote to his, one of his protégés, um, encouraging him, giving him lots of instruction, and he does address this specifically. Paul says to Timothy, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live, what my purpose in life is. You know my faith my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured, and you know all about how I was persecuted. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. We will struggle for the way of Jesus. They will be deceived, and they will deceive others as... Uh, uh, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will be folks who deceive and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. 
And just to pause here, faithfulness to Jesus pays off. Five, 10, 20 years from now, if you have stuck however well to the best you can to the way of Jesus, it pays off. Remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, and you know you can trust those who have taught you. Timothy, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses the Bible to prepare and equip his people for every good work. I know I want to be prepared and equipped for every good work. Amen? It's a resounding amen in here, guys. Right? That's a... We want the Bible to lead us in the path of wisdom, into salvation, into trusting Jesus, and into every good work. Amen. When Paul wrote this, he was undoubtedly thinking about Genesis chapter 1. Because God began in aspiring before a single word of Scripture was ever written. The Lord formed mankind out of the dust and the dirt and into these basic elements, this mannequin of clay and biology and cells and lettering, God breathed. And man became not just cells and biology, but more. Man became alive. And in the same way, God touches the the minds of Moses and Micah the prophet and, and Mr. Anonymous and Breeze. And it's their language and it's their remembrances, but it's also so much more. Paul doesn't know quite how to explain it, so he makes up a new word. He calls it in Greek, Theonustos, God breathed. The book is God written. That responsibility is delegated to numerous people, but it is God breathed. And just as mankind became a living being, so too this book is living and active, the living and enduring word of God. And just as humans carry a little bit of look-alikeness with God, so too the Bible is a place where we find a reflection of God, where we encounter the image of God, the same way that God's word worked over the dust and the earth to create humankind. God's word works over us to create people who are faithful and prepared and equipped to do every good work. We can't just casually open our Bible. When I open my Bible, am I opening myself up to the living, breathing word of God? The question when we open our Bible is, am I ready for what could possibly happen next? Can we handle an encounter with God? Or do we look away to letters and words on a page? We open up 
our lives, our aliveness when we open up the Bible. So we read the Bible for ourselves. I read it for me. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true, to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. How do we read the Bible? Going back to the original question to transform us, to make us a little bit more like Dr. King, not like he was perfect, a little less like those plantation owners. We open our hearts when we open our Bibles. We open our lives simultaneously as we open the pages. We say with Scripture, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Point out if there is anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If this is pointing out things, raising question marks, uh, if it's all there on the table for you, God, I will change my life along with, to align with the truth of your word. We, we talk about two principles here. Read your own verses. They are, it's, it's a big book. There are lots of groups addressed. They are verses to the rich and to the poor. If you, you know, are struggling financially, don't go around. The Bible says those who should have plenty should share with those who have less. Read the verses that, and I know it's, it's tough. Uh, cultivate contentment. The, talk about God as your provider, reliably giving you what you need. Me, I, I'm in a stage of life. I'm primarily a parent. I do have, you know, my parents are still living. But, you know, I shouldn't be going around all the time, children, honor your parents. Honor your pa-. That's not me. I should read my own verses. The Bible says, parents, do not provoke your children. That's to me. That's my responsibility. I want to keep that word with me. Myself, do not provoke your to meditate on it. Apply it to my life. We want to listen with the eye. Listen with myself. Not for my neighbors, for my coworkers. Sometimes I'll be in Bible studies and people say, mm, this right here, man, I wish everybody out there would hear that. And man, do people around me need to hear this? Well, they're not here. So, I mean, bring them in and then they can, they can hear it. But we're not applying this to other people's lives. We listen with the eye for ourselves today. Because scripture is wisdom that leads us into Salvation that leads us into life with Jesus. The Bible says that it is wisdom. Now, wisdom is not always easy to understand. We live in a world where so many things are tailor-made to us. Our interests, our age, our gender, you know, our specific life stage, the ads that I see on Google are scientifically specified to me. When I walk into Target, aisles are researched carefully to appeal perfectly to me. Let me tell you, it works. I'm always like, 
Oh, I'm not a materialistic person. I I don't really enjoy shopping. And then I go into Target. I'm like, nope, I want everything in here. It works. But we have teen clothing styles, teen music. We have middle-aged man bars and gyms for 20-year-old women. Not so with the Bible. The Bible was not written for me. It does not cater to my preferences at all, and that's good for me. It is written to a very broad audience of prehistoric to ancient Rome. You know, sometimes there are parts of the Bible that I think like, what? I'm right now reading uh, First and Second Samuel in the evenings, and On Wednesday, I I read the part where David was like, no, no, I want to win over my wife the right way. So he goes out and uh, kills some enemies and comes back. He's like, look, 400 foreskins. And apparently everyone's like, whoa, so romantic. I I don't know how next. But that's something that I just say, well, the Bible was not written for me was it? It was written to me. Every word is valuable and helpful and instructive, um, but it does not cater to my age, my preferences, what is cool in 2024. The culture in this small slice of time and space, these are not God's first concerns. He's got far bigger plans and purposes for this book and that is a good thing for me to submit myself to, to submit my mind and my heart and emotions and life to. <clears throat> we do have to approach the Bible as this historic ancient book of wisdom, approach it in the right way. If we think that the Bible is you know, five steps to having a great spiritual life. Have a great spiritual life and five easy steps. We're going to be a little disappointed if we're like, just just tell me the answers. Just tell me the answers of, of what to do. The hundreds of pages spent on David's messy life are, are going to be a little pointless. The Bible is a book of wisdom, not just a rule book providing information, giving the answers isn't the Bible's primary purpose. It's not an answer key. You remember those in your, your math book? You know, if you flip to the very back, why am I doing all of this work to figure out the right answers? We're in small print. All of the right answers are right there already. This situation, that solution, X equals Y, just flip through, fill in the blanks. That's not the Bible. The Bible is meant to form us and shape us over the long haul. God is not a helicopter parent. The Bible is not a text message or quick email from a demanding parent. Do this and make sure you're back home on time. It's the long story from a patriarch or or a matriarch that we don't always understand the meaning of in the moment but that we treasure for decades. The Bible forms us and shapes us, slowly pushing and prodding, wearing away rough edges, wearing away different rough edges for all of us to form us into wisdom. Wisdom's available to all of us. 
Wisdom is not smart or educated, but insightful, full of character and values. Wisdom is not information or facts. It's not even always just right answers. Wisdom shows us how to live well as farmers or as kings. Wisdom is the aura of God's character. It's his love and his justice living well. The Bible's not a simple instruction manual. It's an invitation to experience God and be changed, to experience salvation life with God in a different way of living. Wisdom leads us beyond ourselves and into God. So before we open scripture, before we step onto this holy ground, we want to pray. This is probably the most important how we read our Bible for transformation. Maybe we, read, maybe we pray the words of the Bible. Psalm 119, open my eyes, O Lord, to see wonderful truths in your law. Or speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Maybe we pray with the song of songs, let me see your face, let me hear your voice. But we want to read prayerfully because we are entering sacred, maybe even a little dangerous territory. The poet Annie Dillard says, do we have even the foggiest idea of what is happening when we come before God? Our churches, the children are playing on the floor with their chemistry set, mixing up a batch of TNT in Sunday school. It is madness to wear ladies' straw hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should give us life preservers and signal flares when we enter church. They should lash us to our pews. It is a life-changing thing to read the Word of God. We do not casually open our Bibles. Prayer, I think, is a little bit like stretching before you exercise. You don't want to jump on to a full-speed treadmill. It's like washing your hands before a meal. We know the meal's really good. We don't want to bring our germs into the experience. We pray because we are encountering the words of God. We pray because we are seeing a reflection of God. We have to prepare our hearts for what may jump off the page at us. So we come humbly, saying, God, these are the words of life and truth. I don't want to bring in my own experiences or I want to read your word as truth for me. We come in expectant, saying, God, what happens in your word? What has been formative throughout millennia? Open my eyes to see new things. Change me through your word. As we wrap up to apply things to our own life in 2024. You know, I think what we read of the Bible isn't always as important as how we read the the Bible. We want to open our life when we open our Bible. We want to read, for me, our own verses. We want to read for wisdom, not just quick answers. We want to read with prayer. I want to give us a couple of minutes today to think about How's God calling us to read scripture 
this year for ourselves. Um, if you're at home, I invite you to grab a piece of paper, pencil, whatever you've got around, open a note on your phone and say, God, what are you inviting me into? Um, I've got this graphic on paper and pencils around here. Uh, if you look around, but to take a minute and say, God, what are you calling me into this year in your word? Just prayerfully in this time and space, ask God what he's inviting you into. Sometimes the first thing is when. Are there any good ideas that pop to your mind? When's good for you? Because obviously this is a two-way street, but when's good for God? His availability is pretty eternal. Uh, when's good for you? When do you have energy? When do you have a slot of time? When sounds fun for you to spend time with God? Like it should be like, hmm, that might be nice. That would work. And then how are we coming to Scripture? Maybe like as you just think about it and process it here and now, maybe at home you can hit the pause button. Um, you can't hit the pause button on me here, guys. Sorry. Um, maybe it's, I just really haven't actually been praying over Scripture as, as I should. I'm going to remember to do that. Maybe you want to write yourself a little pre-Bible prayer that you want to pray out. Like these are words that um, make yourself a little like grace, not before the meal, but before the meal of God's word. Put that in front of your Bible and say, this is how I'm going to approach the Bible. This is a specific prayer. Maybe it's like, eh, there needs to be a shift. Um, I know I'm not opening my life. I know there's maybe some opinions or ideas that I'm holding on to. And scripture may say opposite. And you're like, flip, flip, next page. Maybe there's some things that I'm holding on to that I need to let go of. What's God saying to you? And then there's what we read. You know, there's a lot of great ways to read the Bible throughout the year. Um, a reading plan gives us a balanced diet so you don't just get stuck in Leviticus for months and months on, on end. We want a balanced diet. Um, on our live stream, we'll share a link for a really good, easy Bible in a year from Bible.com that works you through three Old Testament readings and one New Testament reading. Honestly, I just keep two bookmarks in my Bible, one in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament. Just move them, move them along uh, throughout the year. Sometimes I'll skip around in the Old Testament. Just, just having two bookmarks works well for me. It's simple. There's audio Bibles. Uh, some of us uh, here use a commuter Bible that reads to you in the car. It reads a good um, broad swath of scripture throughout the year. But that's, that's one way to go about it, and I, I think that's the core of how typically we approach the Bible. We just did earlier today praying the Psalms. Christians throughout history have prayed the Psalms. Personalize it a little bit. Make it your own. Super valuable. Also, 
praying the Gospels, reading these stories of Jesus with a little bit of imagination. Picture yourself there. It's how we see Jesus through the Bible. We read these stories when God encounters, when Jesus encounters folks, and we let him encounter us in the same way. Say, what would it have been like to be there? Read it prayerfully and openly, and you see Jesus in a new way. For some of us, God may be giving us passages that we really need to hold on to in this specific time and season. Um, Verses for the winter or, or the year. I went through like four or five months where I prayed Ephesians 6 every single day, putting on the armor of God every single day. Um, really valuable and useful for me. Um, Dr. King prayed the Beatitudes every single day, and that was, you know, that was manna for the day for him. That was his daily bread. So what here, what here is maybe something that God's calling you to do? way to approach God through scripture. Let's take a minute, hold it out before the Lord. God, what are you inviting me to in this season? Because ultimately, the Bible informs us and explains a lot to us about God. But it doesn't just explain God. It helps us experience God. We read the Bible not just to inform our faith, but to facilitate an encounter with the living God that we cannot get through our own ideas or our own opinions, that we cannot get through someone else's encouragement or secondhand experience to give us an experience of God that only God through his words can give us. One theologian says, when we open the Bible, the key question isn't whether the Bible is able to give us reliable, authoritative truth, though it is. The more fundamental question is whether we are able to endure and embrace God who will meet us in these pages. When we open the Bible, it doesn't say, listen, there's God. Instead, we hear the voice of the Spirit whisper, Look, I'm here. So that's our prayer. Let's pray together. Jesus, this January, would Scripture not be something that just points us to to truths that we want to be formed by truth? Would it be something that whispers to our hearts and minds, Come, here I am. Experience me in a fresh, new way. Worship team, you guys can come on up. God, we thank you for the gift of Scripture. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us in new ways in 2024 through your word? And would you give us new practices and new dedication to your word in 2024. Would we not be people who are marked by politics or marked by our job or marked by our identity or marked by our address or our occupation? Would we be people who are deeply marked and formed 
by your word. Would your word be one of the truest things about us? Would your word be our ideas? Not social media, not our opinions, not our stresses or our worries. Would your word be deeply rooted into our brains and into our hearts? And would your word be what flows out, Lord God, and how we love others and how we serve and how we live our lives, Jesus? Would we be people of your word in 2024? In Jesus' name.